The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Our sermon text this morning is from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong. And courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. When we're... At pivotal points in our lives, it's both wise and helpful to benefit from the biblical accounts of the people of faith in similar life situations that we have in the Bible. Um, and, and the touch points can be, you know, you know, pretty clear overlaps, but they might just be kind of similar. But either way, we can benefit from learning from the people of faith who have gone before us. And we're told in the Bible that's one of the reasons that the scriptures were given to us so that we would benefit from the real-life examples of people who walk in faith as well as learn from the warnings of those who didn't. I'll give you a couple examples. You know, the easiest example that comes to mind right away is Hebrews 11. You know, the, 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 the great uh, faith hall of fame it's called that because it, it highlights all these people who trusted God in all these different situations and were called to live by faith likewise. I'll just give you a little snip from Hebrews 11. Um, for what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, ob- obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the 
power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, who were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. It's just saying, look at the lives of the people of faith who have gone before you and live like that. That's what it's saying. And uh, Scripture also gives us, gives us the uh, warnings of those who at pivotal points uh, turn away from God in, 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 and, uh, in unbelief and who made shipwreck or misery of their lives. And, and one of the most chilling ones for me, maybe for you, is the, the warning about Esau in Hebrews. Do you know this one? Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. You go, what about Esau? Like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent though he sought it with tears. Catch the warning? Don't be like Esau. He he traded in his birthright, his blessings in unbelief. And when he he sought to repent, he, he thought he could just turn it on. And he couldn't. From that, Hebrews says... Today is the day of salvation. (laughs) Repent today. If you can today, turn to God today. Because if you put it off to tomorrow, you might find that you can't turn it back on. You can't turn on repentance like a switch. It's a gift from God. So... I just have this as a, you know, there, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, take heed of these warnings. I just have, you know, so we enter our lives in all the various situations and we have these stories in the Bible to reflect on and, and call us to trust God and warn us um, against unbelief. And, and my context intentionally in this sermon is I'm keeping in mind our, our current situation at Bethlehem. Uh, Bethlehem is a downtown congregation. We're moving toward, once again, becoming a separate church after investing 18 years in establishing this multi-campus that we are right now, this multi-campus church. Three uh, campuses, and uh, they're all growing and strong and healthy and, and uh, at various levels. And now we're at this point after receiving God's grace in that journey of, you could say it's like, it's like an ex, uh, a stretched out church planting strategy establishing 
the North Campus and the South Campus as their own separate churches. And uh, although that's the situation in my mind for us as a church, it's not lost on me at all that the challenges that we face corporately in that overlap to pivotal points in your personal lives, my personal life, in, in, in situations like beginning a new job, uh, returning to school, entering into marriage or not, starting a family or not, starting a new, uh, a new residence, uh, maybe a place far from home, or taking on a, a new role, a new ministry role, or a new task, or recommitting your, yourself to God's calling on your life. It, it, at all those pivotal points, there are hope for gains and there are potential losses. There are challenges and there are opportunities and, and there are probably difficulties that you didn't anticipate. And if all goes well, and you really hope so, that's why you're moving into it, there's pop, the possibility of success. And if all doesn't go well, you think, well, this could be a total failure, this next thing. So it, I, I, through the years, I've just found that, that the corporate life of faith as a church, as we trust God together, maps, I think, nicely on our personal lives of faith as we trust God as our, in our personal lives as a family. Or, and they, they just kind of interplay as a people of faith in the big context and in the smaller context. So my aim now, I'm going to pray in just a second. My aim is, that, is, is to answer this question. As people who worship and belong to Christ, how do we approach such pivotal points in our lives spiritually? How do we approach these things, these situations? Father in heaven, you, you do all things for the glory of your name, and I pray that you'd fix in our minds a, a vision of you that would strengthen us and empower us by faith. Fill us with hope. Grant that we trust in you collectively as we transition this, this old 151-year-old church back into what we've been for most of our history, a local church in Minneapolis. And I do pray that through your word you'd strengthen in, and empower each one of us individually for the personal and particular pivot points that we are or we will be facing. I pray these things for the glory of your name through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen. First, I want to give you a little bit of context in Joshua. We're just jumping into chapter 1. I'm going to go back to the, to the Exodus. Remember, in the book of Exodus, God had, had freed his chosen people Israel out of slavery in Egypt by many powerful wonders and signs as Moses led the people out. And, and God had promised these now former slaves, as they're coming out of Egypt, the refugees, a home, a homeland, a promised land. And uh, Numbers 13 uh, describes a reconnaissance mission that was undertaken by Moses as they're coming out of the promised land. So one representative was taken from each of the 12 tribes of Israel and was chosen to be on this reconnaissance team. And the mission was for these spies to go into the land of Canaan, the promised land, and bring back a report. 
And so upon their return, the spies were in full agreement. Uh, this is Numbers 13, 27. The land flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. There's a big cluster of grapes that one person couldn't carry. Like, so this is a fruitful land. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, same Joshua. It's in chapter 1 that we just read. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, interpreting what they saw through the lens of faith, gave this recommendation. This is Numbers 13, 30. Let us go up at once and, up, uh, and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. So they're saying, let's go for it. It looks good, let's go. But remember the story. There are only two of the 12, Joshua and Caleb. The other 10 came back with another report full of fear, full of unbelief, and they reported like all the reasons that they, sh- let's not go. Quote, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the, the cities are fortified and very large. They are stronger than we are. It's a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we, all the people that we saw in it are of great height and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. <laughs> and so we seem to them too. In other words, we thought of ourselves as grasshoppers and they recognize us as grasshoppers. <laughs> so the people of Israel heard this report and began to doubt God and his promise and they wept and began to grumble against Moses and against God. Here's what they said, Numbers 14 to would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Better to have died a slave than to be out here in the wilderness afraid to go into the promised land. Or would that we had died in this wilderness on the way. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Hear how crazy that is? Let us be slaves again. And they said to one another, let's choose the leader and go back to Egypt. Well, because of this unbelief, God made an oath to them. This is judgment. Truly as I live, the Lord says, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers." None of those who despised me shall see it, but my servant Caleb, and also Joshua, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall shall possess it. So, as as a result of their unbelief, God causes the the former slaves coming out of Egypt, heading to the promised land to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. The walk from Egypt 
to the promised land takes 14 days if you walk it straight. But God was seeing to it that none of those who doubted him would enter the promised land except Joshua and Caleb, not even Moses. Because of Moses' sin, he was prevented from entering the promised land. But you know, he got to see it. He got to see it. Um, So, at the end of his life, Moses is on top of this mountain called Mount Nebo. It's in Jordan now. And it overlooks Israel. If you look west, I was there with with my wife Kathy. And and so we're on Mount Nebo. (laughs) And uh, we look. Okay, the promised land is west. We look north and we look east and we look south. And you know what you see? You see brown, dusty soil. You see very, very, very little vegetation and rocks. Everything's brown. It's a desert wasteland. And in fact, it was so hot. (laughs) And um, well, the car that we took to get there, later that day, the radiator blew up because it was so hot. And we spent a lot longer (laughs) there than we thought we would. But if you look west, like Moses on this Mount Nebo, and he's looking west at the land God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and when we did this, it's like, so the Jordan River's here, and the Dead Sea's here, brown, 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 brown. You look across, it's green. <laughs> it's green. It's lush. And there's life. <laughs> And I thought, wow, <laughs> Moses was a praise God. He's pulling through to his promises. I don't get to get there, but my people get to get there. I was told that, you know, maybe that's just irrigation. You know, like modern irrigation. So, But, you know, if that were so, why would it be that, you know, 3,000 years ago, all 12 spies says, it's lush over there. <laughs> you don't need irrigation to... to to see what I saw. So there we are. Now we're, at, now we're at Joshua 1, which begins with the death of Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. So the people are at this transition point in at least two senses. Moses is dead, necessitating a new leader, which will be Joshua. How's this going to go? And the other transition is, uh, you know, think about it. <laughs> this people now... You know, this current peop- two million people uh, in the wilderness, all who were in slavery in Egypt have died except two. The only life they know is wilderness. So this, I think about this transition. You know, they're going to transition from wilderness life that they know into this promised land thing. They don't even know. How's this going to go? So that's... My question is, people who worship and belong to Christ, how do we approach such pivotal points in our lives spiritually? Well, the big answer would be by faith in God's covenant promises. God will be true to the glory of his name, and he will therefore be true to his promises 
to us. And it's true in the Old Covenant, as we see here, and it's all the more true in the New Covenant. And so ours is to trust him. Ours is to trust him. How do we move into these pivotal moments? By faith, trusting, in hope. And in this text, I see, I see three expressions of moving into this moment by faith. I'll give them. This is my outline. Number one, take action. Number two, take heart. And number three, take heed. I could hang them all because the text seems to. I could hang them all on the covenant promise that God is with us. God is with us. Take action. God is with us. Take heart. God is with us. Take heed. Let me do those one at a time. And then we'll be done. God is with us. Take action. Right in the middle of verse 2. Joshua 1. Now therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I've given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Arise, go, take action. It's, it's the call to put faith into action. God is, you know, it's just loaded with, with promises and grace. Look, God is giving you this land. God has promised this land to, to your forefathers. Nobody can stop you. Every place you set your foot will belong to you. Joshua, or God was with Moses then. He's going to be with, with Joshua now. I'll never leave you and forsake you. Go. <laughs> Take action. Move forward. That's the point. And the question is, do they believe it or not? Or will they be like their forefathers who say, I'm not so sure about this. Maybe we should go back to slavery in Egypt. <laughs> it's crazy. It's a call to the obedience of faith. You know. we, we believe God, and therefore we are going to take action in accord with believing him. You know, I think about this, and, and it comes up in, in, in life and in church ministry. It's just a human thing. You know, because change is hard and is filled with uncertainty and the unknown, we can often kind of naively prefer the past and, and think, like, if only we could go back to, if only it could be like it used to be. And I don't know if you've ever done this. I, I remember going back to this Bible camp. I spent five years of my life at a Bible camp. So changed me. Five summers, like 10 weeks each summer, a big chunk of my life. I go back, it's not the same. One of the things about change in life is that we can't get back to the past from the present. I really have latched onto this phrase. Can't get there from here. You know, we should kind of be like this, like we used to be like, well, 
Can't get there from here. Can't get there from here. Whether it's two years ago or 20 years ago. Ours is to go forward. Ours is to go forward in faith. But God is with us, as he said, according to the covenant. And he's for us. So this point number one is, look, God is with us. God is for us. Take action. Go for it. Point number two. God is with us. Take heart. Take heart. Now, in that phrase, take heart, I'm putting two things. Be strong and courageous. But I'll explain why I lumped it into take heart. Verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Now, here's the drumbeat. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I love it. I love the redundancies of the Bible. Uh, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. God is with us. Be strong and courageous. So, you know, the grace to be strong it is owing to the certainty of God's commitment to his own word, his own glory. He will keep his promises. He will keep his covenant. Be strong. God is giving you this land as he promised. Don't doubt him. Don't be dismayed. Take heart. See, that's where I say take heart. Be strong. Take heart. Believe it. But then the second word, I was, I found interesting. I, I, I dug into the second word, be courageous. Be strong and courageous. And it had a nuance that didn't come out in, in English. When you think of the word courageous, you might, you might or might not think of this nuance that I found there. Um, I mean, at first glance, you think courageous. I mean, well, don't be afraid. It's another way to say don't feel afraid. But it, but it means more than that. Uh, in 14 of its uses in the Old Testament, it's, it's used as a command to do something, not so much a, a feeling of, like, don't, don't feel this way or feel that. It's, it's a command to do something. And, and I was helped by, by David Howard, our 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 BCS Old Testament professor in a, in a commentary, in his commentary on Joshua, where he, he circles this, this meaning of courageous as resoluteness rather than just simply courage. So here's how it landed on me. Be strong and resolute. Be resolute. Um, move into this... this uh, this moment with uh, courage and, and resoluteness that God is going to be true to his promises and God is going to be faithful to his people with a resoluteness. And, you know, one of, the, one of the images that flashed in my mind was, you know, I'm going to have a hard time getting away from the Apostle Paul just because we spent that time this summer in action. I mean, this guy is resolute, isn't he? I mean, he is on a mission and he is not getting knocked off track. Courage, yes, but I'm helped by be resolved, 
be resolute. So that's point number two. God is with us. So may we be strong and and, uh, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might and have the faith to step into the challenges. And then also may we be courageous in the sense of, yes, not being fearful, but also having a resoluteness that that God is with us and for us and is going to be true to his covenant promises to his people as he always is. Point number three, God is with us. Take heed, middle of verse seven, be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So here, take heed. The point being that the key to this whole venture is that is that God's people be a people who take in God's word, know it, believe it, meditate on it, and it's on their mouths. Take it, they, they, they trust God in his word and they do what it says in faith. And, and think about it. Um, you know, the taking of the promised land uh, is a military venture. And, and there's a whole theology to this that's clear in the Bible and I don't have time to get into it. But it's a military venture. And, and here, what's striking to me at this beginning of Joshua is there's nothing said about military strategy. There's nothing said about structure or tactics or how to move these two million people into the across the Jordan and into the promised land. It's, it's, it's not that that stuff's not important because th- those kinds of instructions come and sometimes they're kind of crazy like go around Jericho six days and then shout on the seventh day and the walls will fall down. <laughs> Great military strategy in faith. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, the strategies are important but they're just not ultimate. What's ultimate right now is that Joshua and the people of Israel be people of faith. They be people of faith. And they give heed to God's word and and, uh, give their lives to it. You know, note the stress, verse 7. Joshua is to be careful to do all that is in God's word, not to turn from it to the left or to the right, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. You see, think about this call to give ourselves to the scriptures, to believe God and obey the scriptures, obey his word, and to meditate on it. And and meditating is here in the Bible. It's not like we think about meditating now, like empty your brain, think of nothing, you know, think of a candle and blow out the light and, you know, whatever, you know, that's not the mindless kind of 
It's totally rooted on the content of the Word of God. In fact, this, this uh, not depart from your mouth, uh, in context, the people of God memorizing the Word of God, speak it. Walking around, speak it. Um, I was glad the other night I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, my brain is just, you know, on. What am I going to do? And, and I'm so glad that I had memorized. I, I know a bunch of memory verses in the New International Version in song because we taught so many songs to our kids. <laughs> so in my head is NIV, Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Kenny, go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, God wants the word in us to believe it and obey it and live by it, that it would be memorized so that, you know, whether you're awake in the middle of the night or whether you're in jail because you're a Christian, the word is there. Illustration from Psalms, meditating on God and his person and his ways. I will ponder all your work. I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like you. That's what meditation sounds like. And it's to be in Joshua's mouth and in his head and in his actions and so also the people of Israel. You know, you ask me, I've got asked this question a lot in the church planting efforts that we've done through the, through the last 10 years, the last 20 years. Um, Kenny, what guarantee do you have that these church, churches are going to be faithful? <laughs> like, how can we guarantee that? <sighs> i tell you where I go. I go to Paul on the beach with the Ephesian elders. This is Acts 20. And remember what he said to them when he said, bye-bye. He said, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those being sanctified. And Paul got on the boat and left that church to God and his word. That's where my confidence comes from. And, um, you know, thinking about the, the word you know, may we just recommit ourselves to the Bible as a people. Uh, you know, if, if our day, you know, probably, what? Unlike, well, I don't know, where, where would I draw the line? Let me just draw the line at, at the year 2000. You know, since 2000, the volume of input into your head and into your ears and into your eyes is unmatched by any time in human history, right? Just the stuff coming in constantly. And, and I think one of the ways I thought about this is let's not substitute Bible for Christian podcast, Christian blog, Christian book, Christian advice about missions, planting, leadership, evangelism, culture, parenting, marriage, singleness, vocation, you know, all of, the, all of that. Let's, let's just be careful because those are good if they stick with the book. But you won't be able to tell if you kind of blur the line between 
the book and all this other input that is coming in constantly. You know, one of, one of the scary things about having to look at the worship folder on your phone is you're gonna get a you're gonna get a ping <laughs> that'll say, "Hey, come to this <laughs> right in the middle of worship." Uh, so the inputs are many, and I just, from here, I'm saying, let us, let us make sure we give ourselves to the Word, daily devotions. I hope you have a Bible reading plan. If you don't, just alternate between Psalms and, and the New Testament between now and the end of the year, and then get in a Bible reading, or you can get in a Bible reading plan anytime you want. Go to the Crossway website. Get in a Bible reading plan. Give yourselves to reading the Bible every day. And do you have a Bible memory plan, effort? Um, I hope so. A couple of things just to take advantage that we've got going already. If, If you have the global partner prayer calendar, at the bottom of that each week is a verse to memorize this week. Take advantage of that. Also, our kids are in, in Sunday school are memorizing uh, verses. Do what I did. I learned verses because our kids, my kids were learning verses. <laughs> Take advantage of that. Just uh, let's give ourselves to Bible reading and, and memorization of the Bible. Take heed. God is with us. May we take heed to his word. So, Bethlehem. God is with us. Not, not merely by the promise of the old covenant that Joshua had, but all the more so by the promise of the gospel, the new covenant established by the blood of Christ. So may we, as we look forward into this transition, May we enter it by faith, knowing, confident that God is with us. Let's take action. God is with us. Let's take heart. Be strong and resolute. God is with us. May we take heed to his word and trust him in the journey ahead, that he will glorify his name in us and through us. And... um, His grace hath brought us safe thus far, O dear 151-year-old Bethlehem. (laughs) His grace will bring us home. Father in heaven, thanks for your word. Thanks for your promises. And uh, thanks for the new covenant that we're about to remember intentionally, explicitly at the Lord's table now. Draw us near in faith and in hope and in confidence. In Christ Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. 
Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.